0: This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com.
1: Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Cloudy with a chance of snow showers, sign your 34. Tonight, mostly cloudy, a slight chance of light snow, low around 26. Mostly cloudy Thursday with a chance of rain and snow and a high near 37. On October 30th around 1:16 p.m., two males entered a Dollar General on West Main Street in the village of Marathon and purchased a gift card worth $500. They paid for the gift card using five fraudulent $100 bills. The fake bills closely resembled real bills but were missing some security features. The men spent about three minutes inside the store before leaving in a dark-colored sedan with what appeared to be a white license plate. The males were described to be both dark-skinned males. One was wearing torn blue jeans, a black belt, a black sweatshirt, and black shoes. He had short black hair and a black beard. The second male had longer black hair and was wearing a baseball cap with a black sweatshirt, black sweatpants, and black and gold shoes. Anyone with information is asked to contact the New York State Police. The department, which served an area located between the towns of Green and Oxford, with about 400 homes, closed its doors last week, despite a valiant effort to keep them open. The Brisbane Fire Department averaged between 140 and 150 fire calls annually, in addition to 160 EMS calls. The department had five trucks, two engines, a brush truck, a tanker, and a medical response jeep, and just five members, which is the reason they were forced to close. The department was unable unable to find new volunteers. Chief uh, Jason Boise told the Daily Star that it would take 10 to 15 new members to keep the department operational. An attempt was made to bring in new members using digital and physical signs as well as mailing letters to residents however the department received only one application during its quest for new volunteers now that the brisbane fire department has been disbanded it calls its calls will be absorbed by other fire departments such as oxford green and smithville these departments will manage the brisbane fire department homes within their respective towns, but the response time is expected to increase from a couple minutes to 7 to 10 minutes. A Syracuse developer is finalizing plans for a mixed-use project to bring another abandoned Endicott-Johnson building back to life. The old brick structure at 19 Avenue B in Johnson City has been idle for several years. It was once the shoe manufacturer's box-toe factory it was last used by the Volunteers of America as a warehouse and a small store. Local and state officials at one point contemplated a plan to turn the place into a craft beer packaging and distribution center. That idea never moved forward. In 2021, the Johnson City Village Board agreed to sell the site to Paulus Development of Syracuse for $100,000. Company president Matthew Paulus reportedly had been considering a project... That would put about 30 apartments in the building, which is located just south of the recently opened Victory Lofts complex. Paulus told WNBF News his company has solidified the majority of its plans for the property. He said they have a great mixed-use project planned for that site. The developer said the goal is to further increase the economic activity in Johnson City. Paula says he hopes the new project will strengthen the connections between recent development on both sides of Main Street in the village. Paula said he expects to announce details of the project soon, although there's no timetable yet. He said he'd like to start work at the site by next summer. U.S. and Israeli authorities say a small western Pennsylvania water authority was just one of multiple organizations breached by Iran-affiliated hackers who targeted a specific industrial control device because it's Israeli-made. In An advisory email to the Associated Press on Friday, the officials say the victims span multiple U.S. states. They did not quantify or otherwise describe them. The beloved bald eagles of Port Crane were displaced when their large nest was blown down in a ferocious windstorm recently. The primary home for the birds of prey had become a fixture in a tree towering above the Shenango River just off Route 369 in the town of Fenton. Nature lovers who have routinely routinely, uh, kept an eye on the bald eagles were saddened when their big nest was lost during a strong wind gust in the storm just before Thanksgiving. Experts who know about the behavior of the birds say the bald eagles should be fine despite the sudden loss of their main residence. According to New York State Department of Environmental Conservation, established pairs of bald eagles return to and defend the same breeding territory each year. In the northeastern United States, the birds typically return to nesting sites beginning in December and will then breed during midwinter. The pair may build between one and five nests within their territory, with only one nest being active. That's a look at news for updates on local news, weather, sports, and features. Open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF.
2: Radio 12 I'm Bob Joseph. This is Bingham Now for Wednesday, December 6th, 2023. Good morning and welcome to the program. Contributions are accepted at 607-772-1290. We don't want your money. We just want your thoughts. We have things you'd like to talk about, something you need to get off your chest. That is the number, 607-772-1290. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from?
3: Uh, this is John Solak from uh, Binghamton, New York.
2: Thank you. What's your social security number again? <laughs> and I need uh, the uh, uh, on your New York State driver license the nine-digit uh, motorist ID number, and also, if you have three credit cards, and what is the primary financial institution that you use? This I is use not, this bankers- is not a, <laughs> this is not a scam. The Bank of Sark. <laughs> Do you remember that one? Uh, vaguely, vaguely. Yeah. What's, what's on your mind this morning?
3: Well, I hate to belabor I M Three New York and Magnus Energy, but there is breaking news out of Australia, and this one the public can access this article for free.
2: See, that's one of and, the biggest problems. A lot of people yeah. don't want to uh, yeah. subscribe to these fine Australian business publications.
3: Yeah, so this is a publication. It's a daily newspaper, The Greek Herald. It's based in Australia, and they cover all things Greek, including the Greek community. Now, uh, the chairman of Magnus Energy, of course, is of Greek heritage, Frank Paulus, and uh, he is out of Magnus Energy. He's been kicked off the board, and uh, it recapitulates a lot of the stuff that I have talked about including the fact that uh, Paulus at one time claimed that IM3 alone was worth $4 billion. <laughs> Dollars. Now, uh, so it's it's a good article to read for people that are interested. The public official should read it. Uh, What's left of the television media here should read it and they should report back to the people because not only the potential for so much tax money going into this operation, but you know, psychologically, the public has been uh, manipulated and invested into the fact that this company was going to save Endicott. Now, there's one last thing that. I think needs to be said. You could say, well, that uh, you pretty got involved with the wrong people. You could say that. But how does that excuse uh, you pretty went along with all these outrageous claims and issued I three news releases himself. So, you know, but
2: uh, and I, I don't recall all the news releases, but don't almost all business news releases have some kind of disclaimer down at the bottom that basically um forward reference leaning. yeah yeah, you know, forward leaning statements or whatever and, and kind of like oh i don't know when i've read them before and I, again i haven't seen them or i ha- don't recall specifically with im3 new york news releases but Uh, Most companies, the disclaimer seems to suggest, so what we've put in the news release here, if we're talking about what might happen, um, effectively, don't blame us if none of that ever happens. Isn't that what the disclaimer usually suggests that we're telling you either what we think will happen or what we hope will happen? But if nothing like that ever happens, you know, nobody, nobody here can... Can be held accountable, isn't that what the point of the disclaimer, the legal disclaimer, is? Yeah,
3: required by the SEC. Now, in uh, Magnus, is governed by the Australian regulators, and essentially, Upreddy was running these companies like they were a private companies, and and they they are and they were, except until they be Magnus Energy got controlling interest. But you're you're correct that these. Uh, uh, Disclaimers uh, would be required by law if IM3 was a publicly traded company, but uh, the exaggerations—I mean, these aren't little exaggerations—and they essentially started from the beginning.
2: It though. reminds me of another guy in charge of tech, um, Elon Musk. Isn't yeah. isn't he? Prone to exaggerate, whether it's his Tesla well, empire or even his other lithium ion or solar enterprises. It just seems that Elon Musk has been uh, sort of um, well, s- setting setting the example for tech entrepreneurs around the world to talk big and deliver little. I mean, look at well, – uh, and again, I'm not trying to uh, – Sidetrack the conversation from serious concerns about the future of IM3 New York, but I'm I'm saying it's not it's not unusual. Heck, even even the big three car companies seem to have made some pronouncements about future technology that that certainly aren't going to pan out. At least not according to their original schedule.
3: Well, one of the interesting boners that Musk pulled, uh, and it wasn't a boner, but uh, he, uh, Tesla was about $80 a share, and he announced that Tesla was going to turn a profit for the first time, and he did this within the window of the, you're not supposed to, there's a quiet period before earnings are released.
2: Oh yeah, I remember he got and, himself in a big,
3: yeah, a big and,
2: predicament.
3: But it was almost, in other words, it was almost a, uh, a mortal lock uh, to buy the stock, because uh, he may be viewed as being eccentric or even crazy, but he wouldn't be crazy enough to think so, uh, you know, and the stock went, uh, you know, from 80 to 200 and 800 or whatever it went to. So anyway, uh, yeah. So I just, I just, first of all, I want to pat myself on the back, Bob, uh, for, uh, you know, having called this thing, right. Uh, and, uh, You know, uh, what a great person I am to come to this community's aid and to expose this thing. Uh, You know, I was at an IndyCop board meeting a few months ago, and I I warned them. And this should be a a future lesson that this uh, 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 group think mentality where somebody comes in and makes an announcement, uh, you know, uh, and just is treated like – you, you know they're the reincarnation of
2: IBM. Well, another thing though, and there's so many things we could talk about, but another thing is, where's Chuck Schumer? You know, this exactly. was supposed to be a game changer, if apparently the game has changed. Seems well, to me that if if this if anything is a game changer, it seems that the uh, revelations coming from Australia in recent days I think that fits Senator Schumer's definition of game changer. More than anything that's transpired in Endicott so far, I mean, hey, I want the thing to succeed there's nobody who is is hoping for runaway success for the lithium ion battery enterprise than me i've you know i I don't think I've made a secret that, because of my fondness for Endicott and plus the fact that I grew up in an IBM family i'd like to see the place um brought back to its its former glory or even exceed exceed wow. what what Thomas J. Watson senior managed to do for the company but um, at at this point i don 't i don 't know what's going to happen the at some point, I think it would be appropriate for all concerned, as they say, all the stakeholders that includes some of the people you've named already, and also local officials let's have um The mayor of Endicott right now, still Linda Jackson for another few weeks, Um, the county executive, the assembly member, the state senator, the U.S. senator who's been um, outspoken in his support for the project, everybody involved, um, uh, Harvey Stanger. Yeah. Harvey Stanger. He's been uh, very supportive. Bring them all together. Uh, either on one stage in Endicott outside the plant or inside the plant now because it's getting cool. I know they have space for um, sort of um, a, a public update. And, and just, I'm not saying anybody has to uh, make any shocking confessions or apologies, just a status report. How about they do it? I'll give them time. At, um, I was going to say noon on Friday, but I can't get there if it's at noon. But say at 1 o'clock, Friday afternoon, all the people I've mentioned, all the stakeholders, maybe they could even get some people from Magnus to fly in from Australia. Although they'll probably have to... What? front the money for their, their plane ticket. But anyway, all stakeholders should hold um, a media event, that's what I'll call it, a photo op or whatever. No apologies necessary, no excuses, just uh, a, a factual update. And then what? after they bring us up to speed with where things stand with the enterprise, then open the floor to questions.
3: Well, and, uh, you know, there's all kinds of, there's this... Uh, there's all kinds of these derivative uh, New York State taxpayer grants uh, that uh, IM3 has captured over the years. And uh, I think that should be clawed back, because here's the thing, if what they were putting out to the public uh, not only didn't pan out, but and I'll be kind, uh, was suspect from the beginning, then those grant applications, I mean, they, they just didn't write in the grant applications. Hey, you know, give us some dough and we're going to, we're going to take a shot here. Uh, you know, there were things in the, the grant applications, uh, that I believe now in the fullness of time, uh, can be said to be, uh, exaggeration or, uh, misleading or even worse. So, uh, Uh, You know, if if the other battery company in Rochester that was government-funded collapsed in in Rochester, uh, then this is is no longer viable, and the people that are involved in this project are no longer credible. And it it could be something for the district attorney to take a look at also.
2: Stay tuned. I like my idea of um, just a public update. Again... No excuses necessary. Just give us the facts. We're adults. Just tell us where things stand. Uh, In addition, by the way, in addition to the previously named people who should participate at the special briefing that could be held at 1 p.m. Friday, i say Andrew Cuomo and Kathy Hochul should be invited. And that way we know. That way we will know the facts. As I say, present the facts, bring us up to speed, and then open the floor for questions. Because I have a few questions. This is Bob Joseph. It's 923. You're listening to Binghamton Now. From the
0: Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Shop Toyota, Chevy, BMW, and pre owned at GaltAuto.com.
1: Providing you with the best solutions of your lifetime. The KSO Insurance Weekly Spotlight with Karen Sweet O'Neill on News Radio 1290 WNBF. And the
2: following live segment is sponsored by KSO Insurance Solutions. And we are joined by Karen Sweet O'Neill. Good morning.
4: Good morning, Bob. How are you? Great. Glad to hear it. Yeah.
2: So what's the latest? What what's the word on the streets?
4: I tell you what, things are winding down, and as you know, tomorrow's the last day, also Pearl Harbor Day. Um, Tomorrow's the last day for open enrollment, so if people haven't, um, you know, made their decisions or gotten an appointment, you know, we don't want them to think they can't ever change because there's a lot of different ways you can change going into the new year, and that's for people that are on Medicare and perhaps you know, weren't quite quite with it enough at the time to um, make choices or make changes or maybe something was happening with their, their families and they think, oh, no, I can't change, mm, chances are you might be able to. So we just want to put that out there. Also, we've been talking about, um, and so has the news, Bob, um, long-term care. And one of the reasons is because, We're an aging society. You know, it used to be you would retire, you'd collect Social Security for maybe mm, five, seven years, and then you'd pass away. And that's another reason that Social Security is having issues because people are living so long, and it wasn't really designed for people to live into their 90s. But what happens when you live into your 80s and your 90s? Sometimes, not always, but sometimes... You need a little extra help with your daily activities, okay? And so it doesn't mean that you need to be at the highest level of care, which of course would be nursing home, but it could be assisted living, it could be home health care, and all of those cost money, and they cost a lot of money. So how do you protect what you've, you know, worked for all these years? One of the ways is to look into purchasing long-term care insurance. Another way is to purchase and look into buying hybrid products. And they're very popular today because what they are, Bob, are life insurance contracts with long-term care riders. And we do a lot of those at the office. The reason I like those in today's um, economy is because they've come out with the guaranteed premiums. So your premiums can't be raised and your face amount, which is your death benefit, can't be reduced unless you access it to pay for the cost of care for any of those services we previously mentioned. The other reason they're so popular is because one of the biggest objections that people had when they purchased long-term care insurance, and I have people that have purchased it 20, 25 years ago, what if I never use this? What about all that money I put into this? Do I get any back? And generally speaking, you don't. But with life insurance, obviously, that is going to pay off one way or the other, either through your passing or accessing your face amount to help pay for the cost of your care. So, the younger you are, the healthier you are, the lower your premium will be. So, we're saying, you know, going forward, um, there's a reason all of this is in the news so much, and one of the reasons is because... You know, it's very costly. So transfer that burden over to the insurance company if you can qualify. And it's easier to qualify for a hybrid product than it is for straight long-term care. The other reason um, we're looking at the hybrids a lot more is because long-term care insurance is a lot of people that own them out there, including myself and my husband and my parents. As we know, the premiums are not locked in. So you will see rate increases. And we've seen some dramatic rate increases. So in order to avoid that, it's an easier way to, um, you know, to protect yourself and also protect your family and your spouse by looking into uh, a different set of products. We are at 1708 Vestal Parkway East, up above and behind Plato's Closet and Style Encore. We are one level. You drive right up to us. You can reach us for an appointment several ways. You can simply call us at 607 772 4898. You can also Google us at KSO Insurance. All our contact information comes up, including our website. And if you miss the phone number, just Google us again in the yellow pages. We have a big ad under insurance.
2: Excellent. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Excellent.
4: Okay, there you go.
2: I heard what they're going to do over at McDonald's. I'd, uh, I was shocked. They they have a new secret plan at McDonald's that I think they're going to unveil today. And I don't know all the particulars, but apparently they have this new concept of more lanes. A lot of uh, the McDonald's fast food places have two lanes already, but some I hear we'll get as many as four lanes. And according to the shocking report from people who apparently know, they're going to accentuate beverages, like more coffee drinks, energy drinks, and all sorts of drinks. Can you imagine?
4: I think that we're consumers (laughs) on a very, very high level of many, many things, including food and drink. Yeah. I can imagine.
2: And they're going to have a new mascot, an alien as a mascot. Well, will be good. No, I like Ronald. <laughs> well, you heard they phased out Ronald. Have you noticed? I know. Ronald I is notice. nowhere to be seen. Yeah. Um. In fact, in fact, the truth about McDonald, or Ronald, McDonald.
4: McDonald. Uh, you call it McDonald.
2: I do, because. Why? Eh, I don't know. Who calls it McDonald? Bob Joseph? Me, yeah. Mac yeah. Some McDonald's. Some people call it McDonald's, but it I call McDonald's. it McDonald's because...
4: It's M-C, not M-A-C. Oh. Well, I'm just saying.
2: Yeah. Well, <laughs> I can call it McDonald's if you I want.
4: You can call whatever I, you want. I,
2: I call it McDonald's because what's their best-selling sandwich? Big Mac. It's Big Mac. Right? Yep. So, that's... That's probably the other thing they'll announce today. Actually, so they have a new mascot. He's an obscure alien called Cosmic, not Cosmac, Cosmic. C O S, then capital M C. Cosmic. And they're going to roll her out today. Can you imagine an alien? I assume. Oh, why? (laughs) They wouldn't put a guy in charge of the new mcdonald's campaign you'd want somebody who has the ability to carry through with the obligations if they just hire some guy to do it it'd be, it'd be like they'd have the same trouble they had with ronald MacDonald. they had to get you know i mean he's still around don't get me wrong nothing bad happened to him but i i think he's running um like a side venture right now i think real estate did you know by the way that that's how the mcdonald's chain actually makes their money off real estate that's their primary driver of profits a lot of people franchisees yes yes so they they own they don't own the land for every mcdonald's restaurant or mcdonald's if you will if you insist Mm -hmm. uh but they own the land under most and so they Mm -hmm. charge delightful um fees i mean of course the franchise holder has a lease with the corporate somewhere in Illinois, and then they also make some money off the food. But the biggest driver of profits for McDonald's is is real estate. It's more of a real estate company than a food company. A lot of people are really surprised when they learn that. Hmm.
4: Is that what Ray Kroc uh, started <laughs> yes yeah thing.
2: actually it is and i don't get me started uh-huh. on ray crock <laughs> have you ever seen <laughs> did you ever see that the mcdonald story about how oh of course yeah and and i feel badly for the mcdonald brothers the guys who started the whole concept in california <laughs> <kinda> got
4: that
2: <laughs> yeah i don't want to say what you know i mean everybody can draw their own conclusion but let's say let's say i i my personal humble opinion is the brothers wound up on the short end of that deal.
4: Well, hey, eh. you got to be smarter hey, than
2: the guy. Live and learn, and they you know, not to That's take right. away from anything, from Ray Kroc or his lovely wife Joan. I mean, they they ultimately perfected the concept. I mean, to be fair, they they actually turned it into the empire it is today. Although, they sure did. But I can't believe that if Ray Kroc were still around today, that... He would be amused by Cosmic, this alien, an obscure alien who is the new mascot. So, anyway, they'll be talking more about that today. I'm sure it'll be on all the finer news programs.
4: Well, yours included.
2: (laughs) Of course. Anyway, (laughs) thank you, Karen. Thanks for the guidance, (laughs) as always. And I hope you have a great day.
4: I hope you do, too. Thanks, Bob. Bye.
2: And the previous segment was sponsored by KSO Insurance Solutions. 936 at WNBF. Cosmic, the obscure alien, who will (laughs) be the mascot for McDonald's. And then more lanes. Now, of course, the reality at a lot of uh, McDonald's locations, they don't have enough room to add more lanes. Even now, Some of them only have enough room for a single lane, but the McDonald locations, this is what I've heard, according to sources familiar with with the company's plans. They're going to put in more lanes at some locations and then start focusing more on beverages, things that are easy to prepare and have a high markup to enhance profitability 937 i'm joseph on wnbf WNBF. WNBF. 940 wnbf 92.1 fm 1290 a.m online at wnbf.com always available on the WNBF app. And back to the phones we go. Gary from Binghamton's West Side. Good morning. You're on the air.
5: Good morning, Bob. Hey, I'd like to share a funny that My girlfriend said this morning. I was uh, talking about uh, Donnie the Dictator. How he was on Sean Hannity last night. And he said that uh, the first thing he's going to do when he gets elected is uh, close the borders. Which I have no problem with. And then he said he's going to drill, drill, drill. And my girlfriend said, oh, he's already planning on how he's going to get out of prison.
2: But oh, I guess, I, guess she, I, 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 I take it that she's not a fan. She yeah, must I, well, not be a funny fan. That said. Uh, well, it is kind of funny. I have other funny things I could say, but I value my job. So, um, yeah, the... Uh, <laughs> That that little. <laughs> <laughs>
6: no,
5: well, I mean, we're, we're, Bob, you you're going to have radial gold for the next year and a half. You really are, and you know, but, uh, hopefully it turns out to be well. A hopefully, good situation in the end. well.
2: Hopefully it turns out well for everyone. I, hey, I don't play favorites. I, I, ju- I'm just an er- observer of the scene, local, state, national, and global. I know sometimes people think I'm playing favorites. Honestly, hey. I'm just here, as I report on the local scene, sometimes people think, well, you shouldn't comment so much on, on, like, state or national politics. And the bottom line is, generally speaking, I don't do state and national political stories. I mean, if a candidate, say for state office or federal office, comes here, I'll do a story. But it's not as though I'm, I'm not going to be covering the presidential election unless... I get a sudden promotion to the Town Square Media D.C. Bureau. It was a good
5: interview with Mark Molinaro the other day.
2: Yeah, I enjoyed that. I I enjoyed was, uh, yeah, having an opportunity to speak with him. Yeah. You know who I miss? And who? Claudia Tenney. Yeah, yeah.
5: You see, I see her in a lot of pictures, you know, uh, from Congress. But, yeah, she well, doesn't come on no more. And, no, she just doesn't answer your phone emails.
2: No, I'm not in touch with her anymore because uh, we had a falling out. Oh, uh, I'm kidding. We didn't have any falling out. She's she just, just no she's no she longer, just no longer in contact. You. No, well, in, nor should she, by the way, because she doesn't even represent this she part of either. Yeah, she doesn't represent right, the district lines were changed, so you know, at this hey, at this point in time, what difference would it make if Claudia Tenney was on the program every day? You know, people would be like, why are you talking with a member of Congress who does not represent the Binghamton area? To which I would say, yeah, that's a valid point. That's why having Mark Molinaro on is appropriate and having Claudia Tenney on. I mean, plus, let's be fair, she likes Fox cable channel better than WNBF news channel. So, I mean, because not because one is better than the other, but because Fox cable channel has a lot more reach. Than WNBF, so you know if I if I were her, if you had to choose, this is true of any you know, elected official or candidate or just any individual. If you had to choose, you had two interview opportunities today. Um, one invitation from me, the other invitation from Fox Cable Channel. The smart money would be take the one for Fox Cable Channel because m- tens of millions of people will see you there. Versus dozens of people who would see you on the radio program. So, Yeah.
5: Well, that's you. Yeah. I mean, that's the way it goes. Hey, just quickly about uh, we talked about yesterday about uh, photo cameras for uh, traffic and speeding. So, you know, you made a good point about not being able to represent yourself in court. And I was like, I wonder how many people have fought that and won about, uh, you know, about the uh, cameras. And all I could really find was that people say that when you get something in the mail, you might as well just go ahead and throw it out from the speed camera companies because that's not the legal way to uh, present, uh, you know, their ticket or whatever it is. Because it's not uh, it's not a civil fine or something. I don't have all the information in front of me, and I'm probably
2: speaking here. Well, let me but put it this way. Let me put it this way. If you do that, that's oh, foolish because because at some foolish right. Well, it'll I catch agree. up with you because at some point, yes. If if you haven't cleared that up, either paid the fine, or if you contest it and and prevail, if it gets thrown out by a judge, uh, otherwise, the next time you go to renew your vehicle or renew your driver license, you're sadly out of luck. So. You know, you might, and then yeah, you're going to you get pulled over. W- or if you get pulled over, that's another thing. Or thanks yeah, yeah, to the the pop up. the iron fence around Binghamton, thanks to the plate readers, they can tell. With the plate readers, say if you drive past. So if you go into or out of Binghamton on any key road, yeah. say Main go Street, go York, or Front Street, Side. yeah, um, or. Glenwood Avenue, virtually every Riverside Drive, virtually every key entrance to the city. I mean, I know a couple. If If I want to slither into the city undetected, I can find a route that will evade all the plate readers, or most of them, because I know where most are. Of course, I have no motive to do that, but I'm saying if, say, your license or registration or whatever is suspended, or if there's a flag because you didn't pay a fine they can program that thing. And if they want, I'm not saying they do this, but if they wanted to, they could program it and say, uh, 201 and 202, we've got uh, a, uh, a green Mazda, a, a 2023 green Mazda uh, heading westbound on Main Street. It just triggered the plate reader, and uh, the vehicle shows as uh, suspended registration or something. And then, I mean, look, it's Binghamton. They're going to pull you over. I mean, in Binghamton with the number of officers who are out on the street at any given time you're not going to you're not going to escape that they'll pull you over maybe you won't be in trouble maybe maybe if you explain they might say all right we'll get that taken care of and uh, have a nice evening but you know with thanks to the plate readers you know crime itself soon will be extinct
5: Do you really think that that happens that uh you know if it triggers something that The dispatcher will say, hey, we just got an alert at a car that's unregistered. No, I don't think that happened. No,
2: I'm not saying it happens now. I'm saying it could. Right now, they don't. Now, trust me, if if they were sending um, Binghamton police units every time somebody drove in or out of the city or or uh, past one of the plate readers, there are probably at least every day several hundred, if not thousands of people. I mean, they they wouldn't sure. have time to do routine police business. So no, they don't have it set to do that. I'm saying they could, but we don't. Okay, sure. we, so, certainly, on any any given tour, we don't have we don't have enough people as it is to cover just the routine calls for service. You know, with with larcenies and assaults oh, yeah. in uh, vandalism and so on. So we we need. Did I say we need more police? I said we need more police. We need more police in Binghamton. Hire more officers, for, you know. And are I'm they not. They
5: having a hiring problem?
2: Yes. Well, they have the, a the hiring.
5: police, I know the I know the troopers are.
2: Yeah, they have a hiring problem for the last few years. They've been striving to add more people and recruiting. They they have done a lot of uh, recruitment efforts, and unfortunately, they all the efforts so far have not managed, haven't been as successful as they hoped. So the the recruitment effort continues. So all I'll say is if you want to become a police officer anywhere around here, in the triple cities or elsewhere, contact your local law enforcement agency. Um, Sure. Especially if
5: you're a minority because they're looking for minorities. They are because
2: because they, they really, I have talked with police chiefs and they really do. Want their departments to be more representative of the the actual demographics. Exclusive, yes, but but a lot yeah, of times I agree with that I support. I support our police. I support every one of them. I it's it's a rare day. I won't say every single day, but almost every day, I interact with police either in person, or on the phone, or whatever, uh, and and so I'm glad that they interact with me and sometimes they, they they provide service to me. I mean, it's I'm not saying Binghamton's dangerous, but I'm saying sometimes and I, I think I've mentioned sometimes people are less than enthusiastic when greeted with a reporter and sometimes it's, shall I say, helpful when a police officer comes by just to, shall we say, stabilize the situation so a person who otherwise might be in inclined to act out will be less inclined because let's face it if you act out if you punch a reporter in the nose and it's caught on a police officer's body cam that's going to be difficult to refute so mm-hmm. i'm going to start Still very difficult jobs they, they are the police diffi- and, medica, and medical and medical yes the medical field oh yeah so and very and the fire service yeah. oh yeah, yeah. yeah. and reporters well, and reporters What's going on but <laughs> a lot of people have to right, challenge fine, you know? anyway, thank you yep, appreciate it so yes you know, respect the law that's what bill Parker always said always respect the law and always and As I say you know oh fund the police I know some people say but Bob you you shouldn't say fund the police not everybody would support that well it's just my opinion fund them Oh, yeah, and pay government workers more. They're doing hard work. 951, this is Bob Joseph on your side. On a Tuesday, (laughs) no, Wednesday morning. Where is the week going? This is Binghamton Now. WNBF. I say anymore. WNBF at 9.55. It's Bob Joseph Live. Yes, I love you. I love you. Oh, so that reminds me. Whatever happened to the after-school satin club? The uh, Remember how the local media erupted last February? Man, it seems like almost a year since we heard... About the uh, Maine Endwell After after school satin club Everybody was They can't talk about satin in schools And it's like (sighs) And so that was all the rage For about two or three weeks And they had a protest Oh no you after school satinists So whatever happened Whatever happened ...to the after-school satin club over at Omer Brink. Inquiring minds want to know. And did anybody go to the, the club? I mean, they made such a big deal about it on the news. I'm looking here at a story. This is uh, Jim Emke over at Homepage.com, News Channel 34. Debate continues to rage, in the maine endwell School community over the district's decision to allow the after-school club at Homer Brink. Students brought home flyers for the program sponsored by the Satanic Temple. The district said because it gives space to the Christian-affiliated Good News Club. Seems that I should be the president of the Good News Club. Bob Joseph. Good News. 1290. Uh, Since they uh, allow that club to meet, In school spaces, it must also accept the satin club's invitation, or they can't allow anybody to use the school. So people wanted to protest, and they did protest. They had a protest. But whatever happened to the club? I mean, it turned into a big club burger, I mean, a nothing burger, because there it was. That's all we heard. Oh, wait. I see uh, Channel 34 actually reported they were coming back (laughs) for this school year, but we still heard nothing else about it. I don't know. I guess I'll have to call them to see what they're up to. This is Bob Joseph Live. It's Wednesday morning on WNBF.
0: This is News Radio 1290 AM. WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton. A Town Square media station. Where news breaks
1: first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Cloudy with a chance of snow showers, high near 34. Tonight, mostly cloudy, a slight chance of light snow, low around 26. Mostly cloudy Thursday with a chance of rain and snow, and a high near 37. On October 30th, around 1.16 p.m., two males entered a Dollar General on West Main Street in the village of Marathon and purchased a gift card worth $500. They paid for the gift card using five fraudulent $100 bills. The fake bills closely resembled real bills but were missing some security features. The men spent about three minutes inside the store before leaving in a dark-colored sedan with what appeared to be a white license plate. The males were described to be both dark-skinned males. One was wearing torn blue jeans, a black belt, a black sweatshirt and black shoes. He had short black hair and a black beard. The second male had longer black hair and was wearing a baseball cap with a black sweatshirt, black sweatpants, and black and gold shoes. Anyone with information is asked to contact the New York State Police. The department, which served an area located between the towns of Green and Oxford with about 400 homes, closed its doors last week despite a valiant effort to keep them open. The Brisbane Fire Department averaged between 140 and 150 fire calls annually, in addition to 160 EMS calls. The department had five trucks, two engines, a brush truck, a tanker, and a medical response jeep, and just five members, which is the reason they were forced to close. The department was unable to find new volunteers. Chief uh, Jason Boise told the Daily Star that it would take 10 to 15 new members to keep the department operational. An attempt was made to bring in new members using digital and physical signs as well as mailing letters to residents. However, the department received only one application during its quest for new volunteers. Now that the Brisbane Fire Department has been disbanded, its calls will be absorbed by other fire departments such as Oxford, Green and Smithville. These departments will manage the Brisbane Fire Department homes within their respective towns, but the response time is expected to increase from a couple minutes to 7 to 10 minutes. A Syracuse developer is finalizing plans for a mixed-use project to bring another abandoned Endicott-Johnson building back to life. The old brick structure at 19 Avenue B in Johnson City has been idle for several years. It was once the shoe manufacturer's box-toe factory. It was last used by the Volunteers of America as a warehouse and a small store. Local and state officials at one point contemplated a plan to turn the place into a craft beer packaging and distribution center. That idea never moved forward. In 2021, the Johnson City Village Board agreed to sell the site to Paulus Development of Syracuse for $100,000. Company president Matthew Paulus reportedly had been considering a project that would put about 30 apartments in the building, which is located just south of the recently opened Victory Lofts complex. Paulus told WNBF News his company has solidified the majority of its plans for the property. He said they have a great mixed-use project planned for that site. The developer said the goal is to further increase the economic activity in Johnson City. Paula says he hopes the new project will strengthen the connections between recent development on both sides of Main Street in the village. Paula said he expects to announce details of the project soon, although there's no timetable yet. He said he'd like to start work at the site by next summer. U.S. and Israeli authorities say a small western Pennsylvania water authority was just one of multiple organizations breached by Iran-affiliated hackers who targeted a specific industrial control device because it's Israeli-made. In An advisory email to the Associated Press on Friday, the officials say the victims span multiple U.S. states. They did not quantify or otherwise describe them. The beloved bald eagles of Port Crane were displaced when their large nest was blown down in a ferocious windstorm recently. The primary home for the birds of prey had become a fixture in a tree towering above the Shenango River just off Route 369 in the town of Fenton. Nature lovers who have routinely routinely, uh, kept an eye on the bald eagles were saddened when their big nest was lost during a strong wind gust in the storm just before Thanksgiving. Experts who know about the behavior of the birds say the bald eagles should be fine despite the sudden loss of their main residence. According to New York State Department of Environmental Conservation, established pairs of bald eagles return to and defend the same breeding territory each year. In the northeastern United States, the birds typically return to nesting sites beginning in December and will then breed during midwinter. The pair may build between one and five nests within their territory, with only one nest being active. That's a look at news for updates on local news, weather, sports, and features. Open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF.
2: bob joseph this is binghamton now on a wednesday morning as we continue coming up in a few minutes a little bit later this hour we'll be taking more of your phone calls so if you have things you'd like to talk about focus get your uh, wits about you and be prepared in uh, a little bit a little bit later this hour we'll be taking more phone calls from you at news radio wnbf We begin our uh, hour with the Executive Director of of, um, Habitat for Humanity of Broome County and Tioga County. Letitia Judge Ulrich is with us in the studio. Good morning. Good morning. And welcome to our radio station.
7: Thank you for having me.
2: And I've meant to have you on the program much before now. You've been the Executive Director since early this year.
7: Yes, February 13th to be exact.
2: Yeah, well, a belated congratulations. I know... Uh, there was uh, an extensive search for a new executive director after the, the loss of um, a woman who had served as the executive director for such a long time. And uh, it was a, a tough, tough transition, I know, for everybody who uh, has been part of the Broome County Habitat for Humanity community over, over the years to, to deal with that loss and, and the transition.
7: Yes. Uh, unfortunately, Amy Winans, the longtime executive director of Broom County Habitat for Humanity, passed in 2021 in October. And, yeah, her loss left a massive hole in the community and our organization. Um, after her passing, there was one executive director, Marie Juristante, and she served for just under a year. And then she resigned at the end of last year. And I took up the helm from there.
2: All right. So you've been uh, on board as executive director now for nearly 10 months.
7: Has it really been that long? I
2: guess so, yeah. <laughs> I did the math. I, I know it doesn't seem possible. No, it, it seems doesn't. seems like the year just started. but uh, And acknowledging all the work and the contributions that Amy Winans did, I mean, she was uh, on this program quite often with updates. And the other thing that I know and I recall, she listen to the program almost every day she even got her young daughter and this is some amazing her teenage daughter would sometimes listen to the program and this is not really a program that's geared for high school students but say when Amy was taking her daughter to school I think UE high School mm-hmm. um, I, I think sometimes they uh, actually would listen to the program as as they uh, uh, went from home to to school and I, I think, I think I'm told or I recall Amy saying that that her daughter did get interested in some local issues that we covered on on the program. So that's just one of the memories I have of of Amy as far as promoting the mission and the work of Habitat for Humanity, but also the fact that she was very involved, not just as a guest on the program, but a, a person who was a regular listener.
7: That's a good memory.
2: It is. It is. And um, she has missed.
7: Yes.
2: She has missed. At any rate, for um, our listeners who may not know the, the basic premise of Habitat for, for Humanity, the group, the organization has been around nationally for decades, but some people still may not be clear on how this works. Give a brief overview of how Habitat for Humanity works across the country, and specifically here in Broom County?
7: So... One. The short answer of that is we build houses, Um, but the more longer, more extensive answer is that Habitat for Humanity is an international brand. We're all over the world, all over the globe in multiple countries, obviously right here in the United States. Broom County Habitat specifically is an affiliate of the international brand. So what we do here in our local community is build houses that we then sell at a very low cost and at minimal interest to low income families who are in need. We pride ourselves on giving our families a hand up and not a hand out. And so they once selected, they work in tandem with our core building team and they put in what we call sweat equity hours. And in that time, they learn invaluable skills. They learn how to use power tools. They learn how to do home maintenance and repair And then upon completion of their home, we walk them through the closing process and they start their next chapter as homeowners.
2: And more recently, I think there's been an interesting partnership uh, between the Broome County Habitat for Humanity and BOCES. I think what uh, has been going on recently with, with some of the people who have been uh, contributing to the habitat projects at BOCES. I find that fascinating.
7: Yes, so the BOCES partnership is definitely the brainchild of the late, great Amy Winans, where the students at the BOCES Vocational School here work on the construction of a home and they get it to a certain percentage of completion. And they learn all of the ins and outs themselves. We are training up the next generation of tradespeople is what I like to say. And then when they are at their stopping point, we then, meaning Habitat, take it over and we are responsible for trucking it to its site where the foundation has been built. And then we do all of the finishing. We're currently working on a house right now, our third with this partnership through BOCES. And in this particular instance, because we're taking the house a little bit earlier than normal, the students will continue to work even after the house is moved. They'll be training under our plumber and our electrician and still be able to get that hands-on experience.
2: And I know uh, currently that schedule calls for the, the move of that home uh, from BOCES to uh, a site not far away in the town of Dickinson. That That's coming up later this week if uh, the current schedule holds.
7: Yeah, fingers crossed, toes crossed, everything crossed. Um, for Friday, we are hoping that the house will finally be moved. Uh, this whole process has been a very interesting start, stop, start, stop. It's not been bad. It's just been one of those things that you you don't know what you don't know. And so, you know, when we first started getting ready to start the foundation on this, and we were ready to break ground, we had everyone lined up. Our excavator was due on Monday. Friday, you know, at like. 5.30, 6 o'clock, I receive a call from our surveyor saying, you know, the property that you had a stake. Did you know that there's a hundred foot tree about 10 feet in to where you guys want to drop the house? It's like, nope, didn't know that one. <laughs> this is news to me. But um, yeah, we had to scramble and thankfully we were able to get the tree cleared among some other smaller trees. So it all worked out. And then our crew went right to work building the foundation, uh, pouring the concrete, laying the ICF, doing some stick build. Uh, Most recently, they had to make sure that the crane that will be delivering the house had enough backfill to be able to rest so it doesn't sink right into the dirt. So I believe that's what they're up to today. But again, Lord willing, God be with us, Friday, we'll be finally moving the house.
2: And. The point that you make as far as just so many logistical challenges, and I, I know this has been the case with other habitat projects here in, in Broome County over the years. I mean, I i had uh, frequent conversations with Amy Winans about certain projects, and sometimes they would make uh, substantial progress within a period, a short period of time, and then some things would, would be paused. Even before the pandemic, there were sometimes material issues labor issues or whatever and and again sometimes things that you wouldn't even think could come up and sometimes you have to wait you can't can't be careless and say oh that'll take care of itself because well maybe it will but maybe it won't you can't you can't just say it'll fix itself because that's that's too risky for for uh, a, a project where you're you're developing. Um, residence for a family.
7: Oh yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm learning that, you know, every day I learn something new, but it's just one of those things where you can't really plan for anything in this, you know, you can try to have a basic outline. And when I talk to my crew, I'll say at the end of a meeting, you know, is there anything that's going to surprise me? But it's a joke because obviously there's always going to be something that surprises, you know, but yeah, it's really funny that you say that Amy would Watch a lot of progress in a short amount of time, and then something that seemed simple, you know, might take months, and that's kind of what we're seeing here, you know. Something that is like very quick and seemingly harmless, you know, such as backfilling, we think it's going to be, you know, a one day thing, and it turns out the excavator is broken and then they have to go get a second one and then there's a holiday weekend and then you know it'll be another time they're like oh no we can finish the foundation wall in an afternoon and I'm like there's no way you can do it and then they say hold our shovel <laughs> so yeah you
2: no know, it's uh, it's always interesting I, uh, one case and i was just looking back at at a story i did several years ago was uh, a habitat house was completed in Johnson City and yet it was a challenge for a while, I think for several months, finding just the right family to be able to move into that house. And and it. I think that episode helped to illustrate when we spoke with Amy about how the process is that Habitat for Humanity didn't just announce, okay, we have this house on Willow Street completed. And so... Um, you know, just call in now, be caller number one, and you can move in. I mean, there is a very specific process and criteria before a family actually is able to move into a Habitat house.
7: Correct. That is a kind of a recurring issue within our organization. I'm not entirely familiar with the Willow Street uh, process, I am aware of the house and aware of the homeowners. And I heard that it did take some time. But even in my short tenure thus far, we struggled to find people to get into two houses that we had on the market. And I think the common misconception and the CEO of New York State Habitat, Mary Robinson, can say it the best. um, But the common misconception is that we give our houses away. There's many people who think, you know, Habitat for Humanity, we're just building houses and we just, you know, like you said, go on the radio and say, caller number one, welcome to your home. But the problem is, you know, as much as we would love to do that and as great as the need is, it's simply not feasible. The purpose of our program is not just to house people, but to equip them. We never want to put a an unprepared homeowner into a position where their home could be foreclosed upon where they could get into more debt than they're able to handle we want to set people up for future success we want to set them up with financial stability we want to set them up and equip them with the skill sets to be able to build lasting generational wealth and so it's not a simple, oh, apply to our program and you're definitely guaranteed. You have to be credit worthy. You have to be pre-qualified for a mortgage. Not every person who needs a home can actually afford a home. And on top of that, as a homeowner, I can say from first hand experience, even if you can afford the mortgage, even if you can afford the taxes, even if you can afford the utilities, which are a lot of things that people do overlook. They look at the mortgage number and they think, oh, that's less than I'm paying for rent. I can certainly handle that. But they forget the other things that are built into home ownership. But on top of that, home maintenance is no joke. You know, if your home has a leak or a flood or some kind of breakdown, your furnace, you know, your boiler system, something like that. Those are very, very costly repairs, very costly expenses to take on. And for a low income buyer who's already living on a tight margin, that can only exacerbate it. So we never wanna put someone in a position where they have to choose between their safety in their homes and their ability to make a mortgage payment.
2: We're speaking with Letitia Judge Ulrich, Executive Director of Broome County Habitat for Humanity, and speaking about helping people learn about what's involved in owning a home. I see that coming up soon, there are plans for home ownership education classes. And to me, that sounds like it's it's a really... Really smart thing to to help people prepare, even if they're not going to ultimately wind up applying for a habitat home. At least they can be better prepared for the the challenges that they'll face if they do choose to buy a house.
7: Exactly. So the office is comprised of myself and another individual, Michelle Clark. Michelle has a vast wealth of knowledge when it comes to mortgage and banking. She has a background in that. She is our family and housing services coordinator. And recently, we did become a HUD-certified agency, and something Michelle and I have always spoken at length about is our mutual desire to not only help people with housing, but help people with financial literacy. As I was saying before, there's so many things that people overlook when they think about expenses, and they only look at maybe the bottom line, but they don't necessarily look at what the bottom line consists of. So we are very excited to next year be delving into that. And like you said, even if it's someone who can't necessarily qualify for our program or isn't looking to purchase a home through our program, they at least will be equipped with the skill set and knowledge and the know-how to be able to ask the right questions when they are ready to purchase a home on their own.
2: Are there um, solid plans looking ahead to the next year? for new projects in Broome County. Where do things stand on on future projects? We mentioned the planned move of uh, the the next home from BOCES over to uh, a nearby site perhaps later this week. What else is in the works as you look ahead to 2024?
7: So looking ahead to 2024, the crew will definitely work on finishing the BOCES house after that's been moved this Friday. It'll Probably take them sometime into 2024, but in spring of 2024, I am very excited to announce that we'll be hopefully breaking ground on our first ever two family home right in Johnson City. Oh, really? Yes, I'm really excited. Um, We are meeting with our architects and trying to iron out the plans. And I won't lie, it took a little bit of cajoling on my part to both my board and my volunteer crew, because there were a lot of questions. But one of the things that I've learned that Habitat is really, really strong in their belief is meeting the need. And so, as I said, there's no shortage of need. And the thing is, there is a shortage of availability. And so for this particular project, we're going to be able to house two families in the same span of time it would take us to house one.
2: I'm intrigued by the concept, so I'll follow that closely. I, I think it's, it's an interesting thing. And, and as so many of our listeners know, affordable housing is so difficult, quality affordable housing. We have um, an interesting mishmash of a housing stock here in the triple cities but if you look in some neighborhoods in Binghamton, Johnson City, Endicott, and Vestal uh, some of the older houses are sadly in such a state of disrepair it's not the type of environment where you would want to be trying to raise a family.
7: Exactly and unfortunately because of a recent Supreme Court ruling the availability of said housing stock has only more significantly decreased for us because now we have to figure out a workaround to obtain properties different than how we had initially planned. So I am excited. The property that we're looking to do the two family on was very serendipitous. The seller was very interested in building a two family home on this property, but it became one of those things where it just wasn't going to work out for him. So he listed it and when he found out that Habitat was involved, it was like kismet he was so excited to be a part of it so excited to join in on this and then in like one of those very it's a very small world moments uh one of our newest volunteers he just joined and he had been wanting to join him and his wife for a number of years but they were both working and they made the agreement that when they retired they would start volunteering so i had just met them at our volunteer mixer and they happened to mention the seller. And they're like, he's one of our best friends. He said he's gonna be selling a, ha- a house to Habitat or property to Habitat, he's so excited. And I said, so you're gonna be working next to your best friend on the house that <laughs> he's selling to us. So it was really funny, but um, yeah, we're very excited.
2: Well, that's interesting. As you say, it's a small world after all. Very small. You know, all it takes is you know, one or two connections, people being in the right place at the right time. make a big difference yes if people want to support habitat for humanity locally what can they do
7: they can head to our website www.broomhabitat.org there is a donate now button big and bright you can't miss it uh alternatively you're always welcome to write a check and mail it into the office come by the office and drop it off Uh, We also do have credit card capabilities, so you can come by the office and make a donation on your credit card, but you can also donate your time. We're always looking for new volunteers. We have a really outstanding core volunteer base, and they do an outstanding job. I can't say enough about them but they're always happy to train up the next generation, train up new people to take the helm. And they're always looking for someone else to uh, point the finger at when they do something wrong. So (laughs) um, you can volunteer your time as well.
2: That sounds like a lot of fun. Also, I think is um, sort of reasonable to to mention that uh, two of the highest profile uh, supporters and volunteers for Habitat for Humanity our um, president, Jimmy Carter, and the former first lady, Rosalind Carter, who just died, both of them were, were very, very much involved in Habitat for Humanity in recent years. And I think because um, they took such a, a high-profile approach to helping build homes, I, I suspect that really helped uh, recruit or encourage other people to get involved with the organization across the United States
7: right. I mean, the Carters, even up until, you know, the past, I would say five to ten years, were still actively showing at build sites. It was a organization that was near and dear to their hearts. Another common misconception is that we were founded by Jimmy Carter. Um, we were not, but he's definitely been an excellent spokesperson and the loss of former First Lady Rosalind is definitely felt in our organization, but we appreciate all of the publicity that they've given us all of the support that they've given us because like you said they really did help bolster our awareness and bolster volunteer opportunities.
2: Leticia Judge Ulrich executive director of Broome County Habitat for Humanity thanks for being with us on this Wednesday morning.
7: Thank you for having me.
2: It's 1032. We're live and local. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to Binghamton Now.
7: From the Galt Auto
0: Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Reserve your new Toyota at Galt Toyota.
2: 36 WNBF Bob Joseph back the phones at 607-772-1290 Steve from the town of Dickinson good morning how are you
8: I hope you're
2: staying warm yeah I'm doing my best I was out reporting on a story um, a very interesting story I discovered in Endicott this morning and I'm thinking, well, I was there yesterday, and it was nicer, and there was no snow. And then today I'm talking with a, a couple of guys who are involved in in some sort of project. I'm saying, gee, what a difference 24 hours makes. It wasn't It was uh, it wasn't really hot yesterday, but it was a lot nicer yesterday morning than it is this morning with the uh, colder temperatures and and the snow on the ground. Yeah, what
8: a day. Hey, yesterday was a bad day for my wife. Boy, is she angry with the town of Dickinson.
2: Oh, yes. I, oh, you sent me the email. Yes. I sent you two emails. Well, okay. I, 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 I definitely saw the first one. I don't, I'm not sure that I. I saw the, oh, now I see. Yes, you sent me another one just six minutes ago. Huh.
8: Yeah, in preparation for the call, we pay a lot for water around here at least double or triple what other cities pay in New York state and a lot less than what's paid in New York city. And yesterday we got brown water and a ruined, a white wash that my wife did. And all the sheets, all the towels, all our underwear turned brown and she can't get it out. And so I called, the office of the town of Dickinson yesterday and they said, Oh yeah, we had a problem and we fixed it. You're going to have brown water for a while, but don't worry. You can drink it. But nobody thought to call you and tell you or ask you to warn us about the brown water. So, um, I tried to also send them a copy of your, of the email I sent to you last night. But their contact us form on their webpage doesn't work, hasn't worked for years. I always get some kind of error when I push enter. So I couldn't contact them with a copy of your letter. So about 10 minutes ago, I drove over to them and gave them one of my clean brown underpants with a copy of your letter and explained to the clerk there to give it to the town supervisor because the water department doesn't really take care of us for all the money we pay. And I'll go on. A couple of years ago when we had that flood here in Dickinson area, I uh, heard the noise of the water running down the middle of our street a foot deep. And so I went around and warned our neighbors. It was about 8 o'clock at night, Being a good Eagle Scout that I am. But nobody from the town showed up until after midnight. And all they did was blame our neighbor city. Nobody there is taking responsibility. So I just wanted to say we pay a lot for water. Be nice if they cared about the people that have to use it. It's more than just, it's safe to drink. It looks terrible. Or it looked terrible yesterday, it's cleaned up today. I wish people would call your show when there is a problem so that we can all be warned.
2: So that would actually, that would be a, a useful public service. So whether it's in the town of Dickinson or the village of Endicott, or for that matter, Binghamton, Johnson City, Vestal, or wherever, If you become aware of an unusual water issue, I know some people are saying, and and perhaps some people in Undercut are saying, yeah, that's basically my water seems to be um, discolored most of the time or whatever. But I'm talking about things that just develop, and to be sure, occasionally this is to be expected. Say if hydrant flushing is going on in your neighborhood, but. And and that's gonna stir up stuff in the in the water pipes uh for nearby homes and people need to be aware of that. And and most of the time when when that goes on, they I think most municipalities try to put up signs saying hydrant flushing tonight or whatever, so people at least have a, a little bit of notice. But yeah, that would be a great thing for WNBF listeners if you see something happening with your water, or if you know of something, whether it's Uh, a a pipe break or something that could affect the uh, quality, water quality especially discoloration uh, call the the programs, we could give people uh, a heads up and and then of course call the water department too as soon as you discover it in case they're not aware because I know sometimes people think whether it's a water issue or something else, well the people in charge must know about it well, maybe they do, but maybe they don't. So at, at least let people know what the deal is if if you can. I think that would be a, a good public service to give people a, a little alert so they don't wind up experiencing what your wife had to deal with yesterday.
8: Yeah, and um, do you not have any knowledge of any plans to actually decrease the water cost?
2: around here or no all i'm all i'm aware of is is every every municipality around here and around the country has no plans to do that i think every place has plans to do the exact opposite i agree water bills are out of control for many people and the the price of uh of water i think for residential and business customers i think i think it's gone through through the roof didn't used to be this way
8: and we have clean rivers around here now. Clean
2: aquifers. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I guess, although I'm not positive, I, I assume that part of the calculation for the water rates has to do with paying off all the billions of dollars that were spent on the sewage treatment plant. Don't they? Or or are they only? I don't know. I don't know. All, all I know is when they were spending... Two hundred seventy-five million or three hundred million dollars to upgrade the treatment plant on Vestal Road. I knew somebody was going to have to pay, and I don't know if that's one of the key reasons for higher water bills right now. I'm I'm not that smart, but um, I I wouldn't be surprised that's part of it. Somebody had to pay the bill. uh, The people doing the the work to fix up that plant they weren't volunteering.
8: Yeah, um, look at that sheet I sent you. It's from the New York State Office of the Controller. Our rates are way higher than other comparable cities in New York
2: State. Well, then maybe that's part of it. I, again, I don't know. I I would have to ask the Supervisor Michael Marinaccio if that's one of the reasons why the rates are as high as they are. I. I don't know. I'm, I'm just a guy who runs a radio program. I have no clue. As far yeah, as, but but hard I, hard. I can tell you this about water rates, cable rates, electricity rates, natural gas rates, uh, newspaper subscription rates. There's only one thing I can tell you, Steve. Yeah. They're all going up. And they're all going to go yeah. up higher and higher and higher. And there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, you can call the program to let off some steam and commiserate with other like-minded people, but all the entities I just mentioned, they're not going to lower prices. They're going to raise governor, prices. that That's all they do, is raise prices. And the governor has a new
8: program to help pay water bills around the state.
2: Yeah, but you're not eligible. I know. <laughs> yeah. Kathy Hochul talks a lot, and I'm not saying that maybe the program that she's talked about. I I can't judge the specifics of the program, but I know it's targeted for certain people who are, to be blunt, much needier than you and I. But that doesn't it definitely doesn't help us, you know. And I'm not comply. I'm not saying withhold assistance from people who are are in dire straits and and truly cannot under any circumstances pay their bills. But again, you know, when is the last time Kathy Hochul did anything specifically for you, Steve?
8: Well, she hasn't left New York State.
2: (laughs) Well, you know. And, and, And let's face it, the last time she was in Binghamton and she had a choice to make when she came to Court Street in Binghamton earlier this year. Governor Hochul could choose two places, or she could have chosen both places, but she could have chosen to come to this program to answer phone calls from people like you, or she could go to the cannabis shop and pose for a photo op to encourage people to buy weed. So instead of stopping here for 30 minutes to take phone calls and answer your questions, she decided to take a photo op to encourage more people to buy marijuana. It, I'm not saying it's bad, by the way. I'm not being judgmental. I'm saying she's she's a governor. She had she she's the one who comes up with her, with her schedule. She could easily have spent an hour or two smoking weed at the cannabis store if she wanted to, and then she could have come over here for thirty minutes after enjoying the product. That would have been an interesting interview. Hi, yeah. hi, governor. And she'd say, "Yeah, I am." That's like. <laughs> well, do you want to answer some questions? Yeah, man. But she you know, didn't was, do it because she wanted to encourage good New Yorkers to spend their hard-earned money, the people who are already having trouble paying their water and cable TV bills and their newspaper subscriptions. She wants you now to allot in your monthly budget $100 for weed so the state can get tax revenue.
8: Oh yeah, that's important.
2: Yeah, that's her priority. She'd rather she'd rather encourage people to smoke weed than come on this program to answer important questions from her constituents. Do
8: you remember when the plan used to be to lower the prices so that everybody can afford it? Do you remember those days? No. I do. Well, didn't work out, did it? Where- well
2: it did for a while oh okay well i guess i was asleep when that was going on hasn't yeah, hasn't happened in my since i've been paying bills i don't remember a plan where they lowered my costs so more people could afford it i maybe maybe that's a new business model call up the newspaper and the cable company to see if if they could revert Th- that would be a good thing for every every one of the businesses and utilities and people who supply water, just test it for 2024, go back to 1984 rates and, and see if at the lower prices, if, if the, because more people be able to afford it, maybe maybe that'll work. They could test that out for, okay, that wouldn't, one year wouldn't be a good test. For the next five years, the water departments, the cable company, the newspaper, and um McDonald's—they could all reverse prices so we could get a Big Mac for 30 cents instead of $15. I think
8: I won't hold my breath.
2: <laughs> Good answer, thanks, Steve. It's 10:49. Uh, this is Bob Joseph serving America with my microphone and my telephone on WNBF. WNBF live and local. Mostly cloudy today with a chance of snow showers. High 34 tonight, cloudy. Some light snow possible. Low 28. Then tomorrow, cloudy with snow in the morning. Then rain and snow in the afternoon. High 37. Right now it's 32 in downtown Binghamton at WNBF. WNBF at 1056. To the Twitter we go. Uh, Dave from Binghamton writes on the Twitter, will the local Habitat for Humanity receive the wood from the Rockefeller Center tree? It would be awesome if possible. Oh, that's a great idea. I think the uh, kids down at Rock Center said they were going to donate the wood from the tree that was grown in Vestal to uh, Habitat for Humanity. That'd be a wise move if they would ship it up here for Broom County Habitat for Humanity. I would love it.
0: This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton. A town square.
1: Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Cloudy with the chance of snow showers. Sign your thirty four. Tonight, mostly cloudy, a slight chance of light snow, low around 26. Mostly cloudy Thursday with a chance of rain and snow and a high near 37. On October 30th, around 1.16 p.m., two males entered a Dollar General on West Main Street in the village of Marathon and purchased a gift card worth $500. They paid for the gift card using five fraudulent $100 bills. The fake bills closely resembled real bills but were missing some security features. The men spent about three minutes inside the store before leaving in a dark-colored sedan with what appeared to be a white license plate. The males were described to be both dark-skinned males. One was wearing torn blue jeans, a black belt, a black sweatshirt, and black shoes. He had short black hair and a black beard. The second male had longer black hair and was wearing a baseball cap with a black sweatshirt black sweatpants, and black and gold shoes. Anyone with information is asked to contact the New York State Police. The department, which served an area located between the towns of Green and Oxford, with about 400 homes, closed its doors last week, despite a valiant effort to keep them open. The Brisbane Fire Department averaged between 140 and 150 fire calls annually, in addition to 160 EMS calls. The department had five trucks, two engines, a brush truck, a tanker, and a medical response jeep, and just five members, which is the reason they were forced to close. The department was unable unable to find new volunteers. Chief uh, Jason Boise told the Daily Star that it would take 10 to 15 new members to keep the department operational. An attempt was made to bring in new members using digital and physical signs as well as mailing letters to residents. However, the department received only one application during its quest for new volunteers. Now that the Brisbane Fire Department has been disbanded, its calls will be absorbed by other fire departments such as Oxford, Green and Smithville. These departments will manage the Brisbane Fire Department homes within their respective towns but the response time is expected to increase from a couple minutes to seven to ten minutes a syracuse developer is finalizing plans for a mixed-use project to bring another abandoned endicott johnson building back to life the old brick structure at 19 avenue b in johnson city has been idle for several years it was once the shoe manufacturer's box toe factory it was last used by the Volunteers of America as a warehouse and a small store. Local and state officials at one point contemplated a plan to turn the place into a craft beer packaging and distribution center. That idea never moved forward. In 2021, the Johnson City Village Board agreed to sell the site to Paulus Development of Syracuse for $100,000. Company president Matthew Paulus reportedly had been considering a project That would put about 30 apartments in the building, which is located just south of the recently opened Victory Lofts complex. Paulus told WNBF News his company has solidified the majority of its plans for the property. He said they have a great mixed-use project planned for that site. The developer said the goal is to further increase the economic activity in Johnson City. Paula says he hopes the new project will strengthen the connections between recent development on both sides of Main Street in the village. Paula said he expects to announce details of the project soon, although there's no timetable yet. He said he'd like to start work at the site by next summer. U.S. and Israeli authorities say a small western Pennsylvania water authority was just one of multiple organizations breached by Iran affiliated hackers who targeted a specific industrial control device because it's Israeli made. In an advisory email to the Associated Press on Friday, the officials say the victims span multiple U.S. states. They did not quantify or otherwise describe them. The beloved bald eagles of Port Crane were displaced when their large nest was blown down in a ferocious windstorm recently. The primary home for the birds of prey had become a fixture in a tree towering above the Shenango River just off Route 369 in the town of Fenton. Nature lovers who have routinely, routinely kept an eye on the bald eagles were saddened when their big nest was lost during a strong wind gust in a storm just before Thanksgiving. Experts who know about the behavior of the birds say the bald eagles should be fine despite the sudden loss of their main residence. According to New York State Department of Environmental Conservation, established pairs of bald eagles return to and defend the same breeding territory each year. In the northeastern United States, the birds typically return to nesting sites beginning in December and will then breed during midwinter. The pair may build between one and five nests within their territory, with only one nest being active. That's a look at news for updates on local news, weather, sports and features. Open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF.
2: Joseph Live, WNBF, on a Wednesday morning. Another big hour ahead, and we'll be taking phone calls from you soon. So if you have some thoughts about anything, uh, collect your thoughts and put them in a little thought safe. And in a little bit, I'll let you know when to call in to our Binghamton Now program. First, we're going to talk about uh, court ruling, the Broome County Legislative District map. And this has been litigation. It's been underway for a while. And then finally, uh, there was a ruling. The New York Supreme Court upheld a justice's ruling that declared void the um, county legislative map that was enacted by the Broome County Legislature. Joining us to talk about this is John Krasno, a professor of political science at Binghamton University. And John, welcome back to the program. How are you?
9: Well, I'm doing well. Today's the last day of classes, so celebration.
2: Oh, well, yes. <laughs> Celebrate well, good times.
9: Classes for me, I should
2: say. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, that, that yes. is, I'm <laughs> I'm I'm glad to hear that. That's a, that's a good thing. Well, I'm glad that uh, you have a few minutes to talk about this. Now, give our listeners a little background. Some of this, um, this is a topic that we don't delve into very often on the program. It's important. But sometimes I think it's it's a little complicated, and that's probably one of the reasons it doesn't come up on the program very often. But, but give our listeners sort of um, an overview of why this case was very important for Broome County residents.
9: Uh, sure. Uh, so so I'm a poli-sci professor, uh, and with a group of my colleagues, I've been writing uh, quite a bit in the last six or eight years about redistricting or about partisan gerrymandering. Uh, and uh so because of that i was asked by some local citizens uh to look at both the old map and then eventually uh the new mapping process as it happened Uh, and so what partisan gerrymandering is is just this idea that the way the boundaries are drawn can affect who's elected kind of simple you know if if your neighbor is a republican and you're a democrat uh, it depends on which district each of what each of you is in, uh, you know, because it'll change the the political complexion of that district. Uh, and so you can, you know, have a situation where a community like Broome is kind of a 50-50 county, uh, but the legislature I think is currently 11 to 4 or 10 to 5 Republican. Uh, and that's not entirely an accident because of the way the the, the boundaries are drawn. Uh, so this has been a kind of a common practice over time. The term gerrymander comes from the early 19th century. Uh, <clears throat> and so uh, the, the New York State passed a law uh, in 2020, 2021 that changed some of the rules. Uh, and it included some things that uh, it it appeared we thought that the legislature had violated, and the courts the courts agreed. Uh, and I should say that they violated these things, uh, and the courts agreed with this as well, uh, in pursuit of partisan advantage. So the two big things that happened were the law said that districts should be as equal in population as possible but no more than 5% difference in population. Uh, And uh, the legislature went to, I think, 4.98%. So it didn't go to zero. It didn't try to get to zero. It tried to get as close to five as possible. Uh, And that turned out to be important because of something else in the second. Uh, And then they said, you you shouldn't divide small towns if you don't have to. And, And they did. They divided the town of Maine, which is, small enough to be a town that shouldn't be divided into three different places, into three different districts. And that's also illegal under the law. Uh, and uh, it was clear if you sort of look at the map and you do the analysis, which I did, that that in both of these cases, the maneuvers helped Republicans in some pretty clear-cut ways.
2: So, so is it is it your assessment, the Republicans did this knowingly and were trying to be too clever and, and think that, that nobody would make any effort to stop this redistricting plan from being implemented?
9: So I think that that so I look I can't explain to you what what they thought would happen, but but in the past the this district these districts pretty much mirrored what they had done in two thousand you know following the two thousand ten redistricting and they didn't seem willing to concede that the law had changed and they weren't allowed to do this again and so even though uh we attempted to point this out uh they simply didn't concede that this was that this was wrong and they couldn't do it uh and so in the end uh we ended up having to go to court and so one of the things that that sort of Mattered here is that even before the most recent law in the previous redistricting, New York state had passed a law saying that that people who were incarcerated outside of the, their county uh had to be counted for the purposes of districting and also for the purposes of of like allotting state benefits in the place where they where they normally resided so So, instead of, you know, Broom County, I think, had 615 or something prisoners who are incarcerated outside of the county. Instead of those people counting for the benefits of whatever county they're in, uh, they essentially belong to Broom. And that's good for us, right? Uh, Well, those people also have addresses in Broom, you know, aside from wherever they reside in the penal thing. Uh, And... The Broom should have actually used the prisoner-adjusted population data, which the state provides. It didn't do that. And so by by skating so close to that 5% limit and then using the wrong data, they actually ended up above the 5% limit. So if they had been a little less uh, deliberate about you know, getting right up to the limit, they, they wouldn't have been... They wouldn't have been as susceptible uh, as to 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 being in in a clear cut place of illegality when when they we pointed out they had failed to use the right data.
2: Speaking with John Krasno, a professor of political science at Binghamton University, about uh, the recent court ruling regarding Broome County legislative redistricting, so I take it because you already had had raised these concerns. I take it ultimately you were unsurprised by the ultimately the the courts upholding the the judge's uh previous ruling. You I take I, it no, you I, expected this was going to be um the way the way this would have wrapped up anyway.
9: Yeah, no, I I if you look at if you look at the filings basically the 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 plaintiff's here uh and I and I I, I agree to provide an expert witness report because I'm an expert, right, uh, uh, had cited current New York State law. And the county basically said, well, uh, this is just a continuation of things that we did before and they were legal before, so why shouldn't they be legal now? And the problem with that is, well, the law changed. So that's why they can't be legal now, right? It, it, it didn't really make a ton of sense to say this and so this insistence that you know past practices had kind of force a tradition even though the state had directly changed the law I, I i just didn't understand how that could possibly be a winning argument and yet that was the argument that was made
2: well i guess if you use that logic maybe you could say well up until about a century ago women in new york state couldn't vote either so you know that, you right? Know, that no, it's, I think that's right. I mean, things do change in New York yeah. and elsewhere in the U.S. Yeah. So, so
9: the the uh, the the law is pretty clear here, and and uh, if you read the, you know, the the court decisions, both the the trial court and then the appellate court, you know, they they basically say uh, there's a law, you you guys didn't follow it, uh, and the 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 trial court focuses mostly on the population disparity, but the appellate court actually goes, goes farther and says there's a population disparity, there's the Division of Maine, and there's the clear evidence here that there's the indication here that the purpose was also illegal, which was the effort to gain partisan advantage. Uh, and so they direct it back to the legislature uh, they don't rule on the request to appoint a special master, but uh, that wouldn't have been done at the appellate division anyhow. Uh, it would have to have been done by the trial court. And so it's an open question whether, uh, you know, the plaintiffs here will go back and ask the trial court to, you know, reexamine the special master question. Given the fact that the the legislature... It has been so slow to recognize the actual law.
2: The chairman of the Broome County Legislature, Dan Reynolds, issued a statement to Fox 40... I'll read the whole statement as posted on WICC's website. We're obviously disappointed with the outcome of the decision. Only in New York State could they require municipalities to include criminals sentenced to life sentences in prison that clearly no longer live in our community to be counted as part of the redistricting process. Additionally, the court's notion that agricultural districts, school districts, and historical districts dating back to 1968 are somehow vague, is also a curious interpretation. Regardless, the legislature will review the decision with the county attorney to discuss our options and will make changes to address any issues if necessary and ensure the legislative districts are compliant and ready for next year's election. What are your thoughts about the statement that Chairman Reynolds issued?
9: Well, it's 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 wrong on the facts. The The state is like a number of states which have required that incarcerated residents be treated, be counted in the the places where they're from. And what's odd about this is this is beneficial to Broome because this is part of a of a of a recognition that. If you are in a county that has a big prison and those people are counted as residents of the prison, that means that, you know, that county gets the money, you know, to maintain the prison. But it also has this gigantic population for the prison and it, it derives benefits essentially twice, right? And so the idea here is that, you know, people who are essentially residents of Broome, and they're not all life they're not all, you know, incarcerated for life. I mean, I don't know who the, you know, the 600 and some people are, but some of them, I mean, most people in in the New York State penal system or the federal penal system are not, not incarcerated for life. They're, they're going to be returning to the community. But even even if it's not tomorrow or the next day, we would still rather have them counted. Also, this happened over 10 years ago, and the vast majority of the counties in the state actually – knew about the law and and acceded to it without any sort of complaint because it was good for them and it's still good for them so so the problem for the for the the county is this would have been really simple if they had just paid attention to the law and if they hadn't monkeyed with the clear language of the statute which was to create districts which were as close to Zero population deviation is possible instead of as close to the absolute maximum population deviation. Uh, the other thing about this is, this idea of dividing agricultural communities, Maine as an agricultural community, they divided it into the three different chunks. I, I didn't do that; they did that. So, the the, the notion here is that Maine is the victim of something that they've done. And there are ways to, 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 to redo this without actually, you know, creating that outcome. But you can't have a situation and where somehow or other, we're just going to change, you know, we're going to draw a map of Maine that divides it into three, into three chunks and then claim that, we're protecting rural Broome County because I don't know something else has happened. It's just it's, it's a weird position
2: to take. Well, I will say that if uh, the legislature chairman Dan Reynolds wants to come on the program in the next few days and react not only to the court ruling, but also respond to some of your comments, uh, Mr. Reynolds is always welcome here on the program. He hasn't been on in a while, but he he knows he's well, uh, he's welcome here, whether it's by phone or coming to our studio.
9: Well, I I will point out that uh, uh, I I uh, offered to serve as an unpaid consultant uh, to the redistricting committee because obviously, uh, well, maybe not obviously, but I I do know some stuff about this, uh, and that request was refused. Uh, I also uh, attempted. Uh, to testify uh, in the county legislature, to the county legislature, uh, and that request was also refused. So
2: why do you think that is? Why why didn't they want to hear from someone who perhaps, I shouldn't say perhaps, I, I would say most likely, knows a lot more about this whole thing about the law regarding redistricting than any of them. I'm I mean, I'm not saying they don't know something about it, but this is this is stuff that seems to me it's it's right up your alley. Why, why do you think they didn't want to hear from you?
9: Well, they they characterize me as a Democratic partisan. And and some well, are you? Don't. I'm a registered Democrat.
2: But yeah, but, but, but the- would you have done if if they had taken you up on your offer, even though you're a registered Democrat, would you have given them? A, a a fair fair guidance that would be fair to Republicans and Democrats in broome county
9: uh yes because the the thing about this is that we do and i you know the my colleagues and I at Brighamton do this analysis and the analysis is transparent we show our work and uh if you read the thing that i that I wrote for uh the courts uh it explains how I conclude that this is a a pro-Republican map. Uh and so I actually drew several maps that ended up being submitted and both of them did the same analysis for and both of them had close to a zero bias by my by my estimation, but a slightly pro-Republican bias. Uh, uh,
5: so
9: You know, look, I could draw, I could draw a Democratic gerrymander and I could draw a Republican gerrymander. I was trying to draw a map that struck, that came by my standards as close to fair as I could make it while, while being as close to, by, by being in accordance with the law. Uh, but I don't think that that was the way, I don't think that was necessarily what they were looking for.
8: Uh,
9: and they did not, uh, they did not uh, support. Well, whatever, right? Well, I, so I, in... I, showed, I, showed, I showed my work, and uh, whether they whether they choose to uh, believe it or not, it's transparent. It's out there. It's public. They can review it and say they don't believe it, but they have to explain to me why it's wrong.
2: So, one final question: In your personal opinion, should they have known better? Oh well, yes. Okay, that's be as i say if mr reynolds wants to come on and and discuss this he he certainly is welcome to but i appreciate your uh, coming on professor jonathan Krasno from binghamton university again it's a somewhat complicated topic for uh perhaps the average person in Broome county and yet as i said in the opening this is important it's important i mean i when it comes to redistricting i mean whether it's for Broome County districts or even the districts of Binghamton City Council, I just don't understand why a lot lot of people don't take a much greater interest into how it's done. It seems to me that too often the process gets minimal news coverage, although these days virtually everything gets minimal news coverage because our journalistic infrastructure is in a, a shambles. But, um, you know... It, as they say all politics is local and if people don't pay attention to when things when the redistricting process happens well then they're they're going to just suffer the consequences as as some people are are learning
9: yeah i mean i think that there's a there's a there's a misunderstanding about redistrict about gerrymandering that is is hopelessly complex and it requires uh you know a mathematician with a supercomputer and and the advantage of, of what we do at Binghamton is that it's incredibly simple that is I I I could teach you how to do our analysis in less than
2: five minutes uh, well what I'm and- saying from a news standpoint I mean especially radio news where we by our very nature our format as brief newscasts so if some of the average stories in some of our news updates are only 22 seconds or some longer stories maybe as long as a minute and a half not saying it's it's beyond the comprehension of the average person it's just beyond the the scope I mean whether it's radio or tv now obviously a story like this would be better suited I think for newspaper coverage but we know that's not happening. So, and, and again, to your point, you know, if, if indeed people saw your presentation and, and looked say online and say, yeah, simple, straightforward. I get it. But again, because of the way, especially commercial news enterprises are set up, we're just not set up. I mean, we're more more set up to cover breaking news about, um, you know, the latest shooting in the first ward versus something like redistricting every decade.
9: Yeah, well, uh, I, I I will say that uh, it's kind of fortunate that redistricting happens doesn't happen more than every decade. <laughs> oh my goodness.
2: Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. But but who knows yeah. with the with the emergence of AI and new technology, maybe maybe yeah. there'll be. Uh, redistricting all, all done in a in a more fair way, but unfortunately, given the way our system works i don 't think anybody would trust it so I guess we're probably probably uh, going to uh, continue at least for the rest of our lifetimes to to use this process and deal with it every ten years and hope people try to make it as as fair as possible if well, it's I, I if mean, it's think, possible.
9: Yeah, no, I think I think that it's, it's it's possible, but I think that it's it's really important to have a sense of what it is you're trying to achieve. And you know, my argument is really simple, which is, and our argument to Binghamton is really simple, uh, just sort of setting aside a lot of niceties about you know different things. Uh, does the system allow the party that wins the majority to 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 get a majority of seats? Uh, very simple, right? Uh, it's not saying uh one party gets 51% of the vote and gets 60% of the seats and the other party with 51% of the vote gets 51% of the seats that's not fair it's like uh eh, it's true it's not fair but that's way too complex as long as you can demonstrate that 51% yields a majority of seats then then that's a that's a fundamentally democratic system
5: uh and
9: uh, and if you if you can show that it's persistently biased and so that that doesn't work out, then that's a big problem. And to show that, really easy, really easy to do, uh, an Excel spreadsheet and a minute. I, I, take, I take you five minutes to show you how to do it. And then once you know, you can analyze every district in the country, every map in the country in a couple of minutes. It's, it's that simple. So...
2: Binghamton University political science professor John Krasno thank you for your time enjoy your you. uh, en- enjoy your break do you have any classes this afternoon
9: I have one class this afternoon and then I have piles of grading would you like to come over and help
2: thanks for the opportunity I'll I'll, I'll let <laughs> you'll I'll consider that and I have your number if I'm if I'm available to assist I'll I'll certainly uh, let you know <laughs> I, w- I won't I won't I won't hold my breath exactly thanks again okay bye-bye Eleven thirty five. I'm Bob Joseph and WNBF. I don't think I would be <laughs> well positioned to be doing any grading. Not not for the next month at least. It's eleven thirty five it is eleven thirty-five, or as they say. On some stations, 25 before the hour. 607 772 1290 is the number if you'd like to talk on Binghamton Now.
0: From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290, also available at 92.1 FM. We're still saving the Southern Tier money at Galt Toyota.
2: From Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. Yes, I, got I need you to put your uh, investigative reporting skills to work.
6: Uh, the reason I'm calling is my wife. Uh, well, this summer we had one of those new smart meters installed by NYSEG. And, you know, I questioned the guy on, you know, how this thing works and other things. But, you know, they didn't really answer too many questions. Well, anyway, my wife got a bill this month for the month of November, and it said on the bill that the December um, bill will be estimated. So my wife called and wanted to know why is it estimated if you're supposed to be able to read it remotely, and they said, well, that's the way it's going to be. One month, it's going to be estimated, and the other month, it'll be uh, read by the NYSIG." And she said, well, what's the purpose of that? I mean, I thought we'd put these on so we don't have to go outside and read the meters. And they said, well, that's the way it is. Well, that's one question. Why do we have to read these meters if they're supposed to be smart meters? The other question is, um, I'm retired from electronics. I used to do a lot of electronic-type work. And these uh, smart meters, I was talking to a uh, retired NYSEG guy, and he says, yeah, they work on the microwave technology, which is basically the same as your Wi-Fi. I'm just wondering if they're causing interference maybe with your Wi-Fi in your house because I noticed that we have a lot of dropouts lately on our uh, modem where we never used to. Now, we do have, you know, two Wi-Fi signals, 2.4 and uh, 5 gigahertz, and the 5 gigahertz seems to run pretty good. 2.4 gigahertz on my modem seems to drop out quite a bit, and I'm just wondering if these things interfere the wi-fi in your house or they could interfere with other things in your house too possibly so that's that's my uh uh take on this
2: hmm. all right i i may look into that i uh was pleased a few days ago we had a man from nice i and he answered a lot of questions but uh those those matters weren't addressed so i'll see what i can find out okay all right thanks bob thank you dj in binghamton you're on the air
10: Hey, good morning, Bob. I heard you ask a question earlier about the Satin Club. And I thought I was on the show and talked about it one time. I guess maybe I didn't. They moved to the Broom County Library, the Jeffrey Cram public library. So
2: when are the meetings? Yeah. I wanna go.
10: Well they're for children and it's after school.
2: Uh, oh, don't they have I, any I don't, know. don't they have I don't any know. meetings of the Satin Club for adults?
10: I'm sure they do. Okay. and uh, I'll look into it. Next time you talk to uh, Jason Garner, ask him. He should know because,
2: you know, he's the Broom County executive and they're meeting in his well, library. How so. come, if they're meeting at the library, how come they haven't sent out any notices? I haven't seen anything. Have you ever seen any news stories that the satin clubs? Yes. That's what how news I found story? out
10: about it. Who? It was on the news.
2: Who? What?
10: Well, I wouldn't. Jim M P news. It was, it was last summer. You can ask Jim M P. It was last summer. Yeah. And they all. I'm sure they all
2: did it. Wait, hey, hold on. I'm looking it up now. Satin Club. After school, satin club, as in nights in white satin. Um, oh. And. A Couple of
10: them jog around downtown with their two big dogs. If you see them? Oh, really? That's the. They have dogs. That's the woman that was on. That's the woman that was on the news. Well when I watched the news before I left. Okay, the group,
2: now now I see it. You're right. Group. Oh, you're right. It's uh and this was Roy Santa Cruz actually did the story for um News Channel thirty four. Okay, so the summer program. But maybe they don't have the summer program now that school's back in session, maybe they have it at some school. Before
10: the before the, the two rallies that we did, the church did, um there was a woman on the news about the, that club, and they and uh, and then I spotted her and her man, I guess. All right. Here one back then, and they have and dogs.
2: The what kind of dogs they have? No,
10: they jog. They jog. Oh, they I jog thought around. you said they
2: had dogs. They do with two
10: big dogs.
2: All right. Well, I will uh, look into it because I, I need to know. I need to know if they're. Um, having meetings at the library I mean as a public place I, I, would think, I would think they'd be welcome I think they'd have to be welcome using the same, the same theory that the Maine Endwell School Superintendent said earlier this year last February when the uh, big story was about the Satin Club ok Satan Club you say tomato I say tomato. Ron from the West Side, you're on the air.
11: Hey, Bob, do you know that uh, that club is going to use a, as their theme song, a Duke Ellington hit, uh, maybe you know it, Satin Doll? Do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh. Uh, allow me briefly. I, I'm going, I, may I say something national, political? Uh, I, I, wish I, to, I wish you would.
2: I wish you would.
11: Thank you. At the top of the news, Uh, At 10 o'clock, I'm not sure, about 11, they played a a Biden spot where he said, he said, I'm paraphrasing, that he would have to run if Trump is the Republican candidate. He'd be forced to run. Um, Now, for me, since I would never have voted for a dictator, I don't know that you vote for dictators, but I would have never voted for Juan Perón or Idi Amin or Mussolini. I, of course, would not vote for the American version of a dictator, someone who says he will be a dictator, and that is Donald Trump. But here is the dilemma. If Biden runs, uh, the vice presidential candidate on the ticket uh, will very likely become, assume the presidency sometime during that term of 2024 to 2028. So, if the Democrats uh, pick, who would the Democrats pick is going to be critical, it's going to be crucial. And even disenchanted Republicans who can't vote for Trump will say, well, I'm going to vote for uh, Biden, I'm going to vote for the Democratic ticket. Well, just like in 44, when uh, Truman uh, was uh, the vice presidential pick uh, uh, for an ailing president. Uh, Truman was going to become the president. So it's very likely that the vice presidential candidate is going to assume the presidency. So that's going to be critical. And I, I've i voiced this before. I don't need to get into it deeply, it's just my opinion. I'm concerned uh, that uh, we could have Kamala Harris step up to the podium as, as the president of the United States who has presented herself. As a kind of giggling schoolgirl, totally uh, unable to assume such an office. Now, I'm not against a Democrat VP, if that's the case, but you mentioned someone uh, on the air often, Hakeem Jeffries. I don't know that he could be the VP
8: pick,
2: but... But here's the thing, and and by the way, I don't know a whole lot about Hakeem Jeffries except he and... uh, Flo from the insurance company graduated in the same Binghamton University class, so that alone means I think he's qualified for something. Wouldn't it be funny if we found a video of Hakeem Jeffries and Flo from the insurance company hanging out in the early 90s on State Street? That would be be, uh, click-worthy. But
11: Yeah, well they're both they're both progressives, of course.
2: <laughs> and, Actually and and, and and to your point though about uh, about running mates, and I know this will get me in big trouble, I would rather have Flo or Hakeem Jeffries be um be the vice presidential candidate next November. Nothing against Kamala Harris. I think I, I think she's um a very intelligent person and many people in California have good things to say about her. But I, I would say you know who would win flow uh, you know hakeem jeffries i think is probably qualified to be vice president but because politics is about crunching the numbers if if flow from the insurance company who graduated from binghamton university if she is biden's running mate he's gonna win by uh, not just eight million votes this time he's gonna win by like 16 million votes
11: well, Bob, if we're going to go in that direction, I'm, I want the state farm
2: guy. Um, I, I now, who's the, the guy farm. who's the guy who's always uh, Mr. Trouble? You know, the guy oh, I'm thinking yeah. of, the guy? Uh, yeah. I'm Mr. Trouble and everywhere I go and, and it's ominous and it's like some wherever Mr. Trouble goes, there's trouble. You know, and that's the whole point. That's why you get insurance because if Mr. Trouble shows up and wrecks your house or breaks into your car, that's why you need insurance. So have Mr. Trouble.
11: <laughs> well, it would be like Jerry Ford all over again. <laughs> Thank you.
2: <laughs> yeah, we're certainly getting it figured out today, folks. Both the Republican and Democratic National Committees, I'm sure, are tuning in to listen to our guidance. <laughs> I'm going to do the exact opposite. I'm Bob Joseph. This is Binghamton Now on WNBF.
12: News Radio 1290 WNBF. WNBF at
2: 1052. Serving America with a mighty big transmitter. And, of course, streaming all over the internets. Jesse and Owego, you're on the air.
11: Yeah, my curiosity has been around, what is up with all this uh, paranormal activity at the post-80 American Legion on Main Street? I have frequented that place for many years. I've been a member for many years. Can't tell you how much I drank there. I've never seen, experienced, or any kind of paranormal activity so i'm gonna double dog dare myself i'm gonna grab my army cat and i'll stay there for a week upstairs downstairs and the bowels of the place i don't believe in that but maybe that would be a good place for that satan club to reload
2: i don't think so and by the way i've been there lots of times i've seen nothing
11: i've seen there's nothing
2: it's nothing in my opinion there's nothing to that
11: if anything, it'll
2: make a lot of money and we'll make national television. Mm, no, count me out, baby. Count okay, me out. You can count
12: you're, me you, yeah, can count you me you,
2: in. Why you, not? you you can go and have your fun, me. I'm not I don't subscribe to that to that paper. So all right. Uh, good luck if you go though, and uh, be sure to bring your camera. I will keep you posted. <laughs> all right, thanks. That's the story from a Wego, Making contemporary news. Derek from Endwell, you're on the air.
12: Hey Bob, now uh, give me a chance, there. Cause, uh, the reason I didn't call for this reason, but you have the contact name for the after-school Satan program because I opened the can of worms on that, and uh, I set up the interview with you with the uh, leader that um, DJ was talking about when uh, they were meeting at the main annual enrol- Homer Brink uh, Elementary
2: School. So, oh I yeah, know, I can respect. I can get her on the program. I just don't know that seriously. I don't. I don't know that I have any particular interest. I was just surprised to hear that they're uh, meeting at the library, but uh, I yeah, guess as as they
12: away,
2: just huh. well, at least they're not at Homer Brink anymore. So you, well, that's that's a good thing. I was going to say that. that one. Don't you regard that as something of a moral victory?
12: Yeah, I, I uh, win that one. So um, all right, as long as they're staying out of my son's school, that's
2: fine. All right. Well, maybe I, I was just looking up. She was on. Uh, February 21st, June Everett from the Satan Club, or at least she and said I was she on was. Your
12: pro- I was on your program the week before, and then a the day later, Jim Emke interviewed me, and then uh, that's when the churches and stuff got involved.
2: All right. Well, maybe maybe we'll have her on Christmas Eve to see what if they have anything special planned. Maybe they're going to have a, a, a Satan Club... Christmas party or something and and give out gifts. I I don't know what they're going to do but they're keeping such a low profile sometimes I wonder how serious they are with their satin club. Because if they were serious, don't you think they would be doing more to promote it? Seems to me like they were just trying to get some media attention last February like they do elsewhere around the country and then after they got the media attention they just like, well, we proved our point you know, the media... If if we talk about satin clubs, the media will, of course, do what the media does because we need the audience and the clicks. A lot of times it, it seems like such a cynical approach. But maybe well, well, I'm wrong. All, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, it's all about money.
12: So maybe they're just making enough money to make themselves
2: happy. All right. Well, I appreciate the call. Thank you, Eric. And that is the story from Endwell making contemporary news. That's all the time we have for today. Don't worry. I'll be back tomorrow morning from 9 to noon. Bob Joseph with another fine episode coming up tomorrow of Binghamton Now on WNBF.
0: This is News Radio 1290 AM. WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM. W221 EJ Binghamton. A Town Square media station.